Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bailey Bookish Podcast. Just so you all know, next week we will be discussing the Iliad with Jade from About a Book Podcast. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and honestly we're going to be diving very deep into the Trojan War here. And you're gonna, you guys are going to love it. We also are going to be reading uh, the Odyssey after that. We're reading the Emily Wilson translation as we found out in the Iliad. Having two separate translations was kind of strange, but... I think you guys will still enjoy it and it's a lot of fun like looking into all the insights between the two different translations so I think you guys will enjoy you know getting those different perspectives uh, because I really enjoyed it as a reader and I kind of learned you know what I want in a translation um, and not to get into spoilers but you guys will kind of get what I mean in the next couple episodes so if you want to read the Iliad, whatever translation you have, um, Jade Wren read the Penguin's Classic translation, um, and then I read a Barnes & Noble exclusive. Uh, I forgot who the translator is now, but it's the Barnes & Noble paperback in their like classic area uh, that has just the cute like face mask, not mask, face armor, face... I want to say face shield. Is it a mask? Not that this matters, but it's got like, it's really pretty. Um, if you haven't read it yet, just whatever translation of the Iliad you have, just go ahead and read it and then you can get into it. Or if you remember, that's cool too. Uh, I had never read it before as per usual. So it was a lot of fun to get into, but that'll be next week. This week, we're finishing up the 1985 Irwin Allen's uh, Alice in Wonderland. And this is the part two, which is going to be through the looking glass. So that this is with Leah and it's going to be a lot of fun. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. And welcome back to another episode of, I guess, technically Alice in Wonderland, but really Through the Looking Glass uh, <laughs> by Erwin Allen, the 1985 version. And we are on to the second disc flip. Uh, and I am joined by Leah from YA Book Chat. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. I'm excited to talk about this second movie. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I, it's funny to me because I always just imagine having to actually go in, grab the second disc, put it in, and then watch the second part of the movie instead <laughs> of like realizing that, you know, I have Netflix and that just yeah. automatically happens for me now. Right. It's always weird. I'm always like, why is it like if I watch something else, if I watch a TV show on Hulu or Disney plus or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm like, why isn't the next episode loading? Come on now. <laughs> Well, it's like but, I, my childhood was like Lord of the Rings. So I was always, you know, you have mm, your disc bundle set up. Right. And then they're like, to be continued boom, on the boom, next boom, disc. Boom. And you're like, I got three more hours. I can do the next disc. We had the director's yeah. cut. We didn't, I've never seen the original like movie release. I've only seen director's uh, edition. The three and a half hour long version. Mm -hmm. I've got those too. I love them. I'm just like, I wonder what the movie theater people watched when they didn't watch three and a half hours. Cause so you and I can have that discussion another day if you wish <laughs> when we're done recording because I actually did watch it in the movie theater oh, yeah. and then yeah I watched it in the movie theater and then bought the director's cuts 
and then I could see what was different. But yeah. this, this one was actually, um, the, so the Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass was actually a made for TV movie. So mm. they did it in two parts. So obviously okay. Alice in Wonderland part one and then Through the Looking Glass part two. But it was, um, yeah, so it was a made for TV movie. So that's how that one was. I was thinking it had to have been the way things cut off, mm-hmm. you know, because it very much felt like a made for TV. Yeah, movie. it was. But I was also like uncertain of how common that was because it was a multi-billion dollar movie yes but they did they did made for tv movies a lot in the 80s and 90s too so hmm. yeah i wasn't sure because i was not born i know i feel (laughs) extremely old now but whatever it's fine (laughs) it's it's fine you know Fine. Time is but a social construct. It's whatever. That's right. <laughs> so, Our you know, <laughs> Jabberwocky still hanging out for some reason. Yes. When they restart part two. Um, and instead of her finding this chess set in the embers, in her fear, she knocked everyone on the ground. But there isn't a complete chess um, set on the right. ground. She's only got like the kings and queens, the knights, and one pawn that's a baby that's crying (laughs) that she puts up there Mm -hmm. i actually i actually like it that way i like that she knocked them off when she was Mm -hmm. afraid when the jabberwocky was there because it it makes more sense Mm -hmm. because like we talked about when we were talking about the book why are they in the embers why are they in the ashes so this just makes more sense where she knocks them off Mm -hmm. absolutely see and that's what i something that i like about this movie and how it was done because remember so this is one thing with the chess pieces Mm -hmm. but in the first one um i didn't mention this last episode but remember how when we read the book i was like well when she's in the hallway and she cries she's just all of a sudden in a puddle and outside like the doors disappear right but in the movie in this movie there's like a crack in the wall mm-hmm. in the stones that she goes through and that's how she gets outside and then falls into the puddle of water and i was like yeah that makes a lot more sense yeah absolutely i was like yeah. okay i'm cool with it yeah so i liked that they took those couple of those couple of little questionable things <laughs> in the lewis carroll story and yeah. made them make sense yeah so then we get introduced to the white queen and my ent- first reaction when i see her and i specifically see her hair i was like is that jane fonda <laughs> No, 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 it's not. I had to Google who it was. Because I was like, that doesn't sound like Jane Fonda. But it's Carol Channing, mm-hmm. who was oh, so fantastic. Again, another fantastic, mm-hmm. like 80s and earlier actress and singer. She did Broadway. Like, the woman was amazing. I love Carol Channing. And let me tell you, based off of the actress from this time period, I don't think anybody could have done that part of the White Queen better than she did. No, she, she did a great job. So good. Like to play that disheveled, out of place queen. Yeah. She's perfect. Now we're on to the owl. So the owl's okay. like, yeah, you made up the Jabberwocky out of your sheer fear. And I was like, not helpful at all. Mm. I know. He was a bit, he was um a bit harsh about it, mm-hmm. we'll say. Okay. Have you ever seen? The 1995 movie, While You Were Sleeping, with Sandra Bullock. 
It sounds familiar. The guy who plays the owl, mm-hmm. Jack Warden, is mm-hmm. in that movie. He's Saul, like the older man, her, mm-hmm. well, her pretend fiance, her pretend fiance's mm-hmm. father, her grandfather. He's the oh, older man in it. Anyways, he's fantastic too. But he is definitely um, a bit harsh with her. Mm-hmm. Like, he it's because he because he's just like it's not gonna go away until yeah. you're done. But again, you know, it's like I said, it he in the 1980s, like that was a big thing, was that they used these TV shows and movies mm-hmm. to teach a lesson to to kids, you know. Mm-hmm. At the end of all the He-Mans and G.I. Joe's, there was that little remember kids, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> It was always, that was a very 1980s thing. I think in this case, though, it's just, it's a little harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. He says it to her. He's like, you're never going to grow up unless you like throw all your fear out the window. And I was like, uh, okay. Thanks. Even adults are afraid. Yeah. So, literally. You know. Yeah. It's like, that's stressful for everyone mm-hmm. involved, but all right. <laughs> just a little. It's very funny though. It was. So then um, we get to the scene of flowers and every single one of the flowers is petty. Absolutely all of them. Oh my gosh. They all are. I do love that scene though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, good. but I really do. I love that scene. Um, the actresses who play the flowers are again, like Sally Struthers, who is the um, Tiger Lily. She was like huge in the 80s. I mean, like, in the 70s, too, because she was on, oh, shoot, I'm going to totally forget the name of that show. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, But, like, I just, I just love, I love the flowers. I don't know why. That's always been one of my favorite scenes, just because I think, like, I've always been, like, a gardening person. You Mm -hmm. know, I grew up, like, with my mom and helping my mom and my grandma and my aunts in the garden, and I've just always loved flowers, and I don't know. So that's always one of my favorite scenes was that scene with the, with the flowers talking to her. I've always really liked when they give what would otherwise be an inanimate object or personality Mm -hmm. in movies. I always think that's a lot of fun. Like, I think that's why as a kid, I love Toy Story. Yeah. Right. Cause you want, you want your, you want to have that in your imagination. Like you want your Mm -hmm. toys to come alive. You want this to happen. I used to, there was a movie again in the eighties or nineties. Um, I think it was called Teddy Bear's Picnic. And it was this animated movie about this little boy who has these stuffed teddy bears. And um, when he leaves, they come alive and they leave one day to go to the teddy bear's picnic. And it's mm-hmm. this like fantastic fun thing. And then they find this little girl who gets lost in the wood because she's looking for her teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And um, he, the one of the younger bears like comes alive in front of her. And the other one's like, you're not supposed to do that. Anyway, it's a whole thing, but they come to life. And so it's the same, the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. like you're just that little part of you, I think never goes away as you get older. Like you always hope like, fairies are real and unicorns are real and that your toys come to life when you go to sleep and you look at your dog and you're like I know you can talk right I need one of those like 
dog translator collars. <laughs> See, if I got one for my dog, she it would just be sleep, tired, 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 sleep, tired. And then she'd be like, happy, 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 tired. And that's all that I would get. It'd be something, yeah. <laughs> well, my, the thing is, though, my dog doesn't bark, actually, now that I'm thinking about mm. it. So this collar wouldn't even work. The only time she barks is when someone's at the door. Can I just get one that like mind reads and relates to me what she's thinking? <laughs> there you go. That that's what we need. Yeah. Cause my dog, it just it would be silent and then it would be panic, stress, 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 panic. <laughs> then um we get the scene with the Red Queen, but she doesn't get lost in the garden. They don't have that whole part of like her going having to go backwards, yeah. which is fine. It didn't really bother me that that wasn't there. So I think yeah, that just kind of would annoying. Thing. Yeah, it just would have been annoying for viewers who were like, didn't read the book and they're like, why is this happening? Yeah, exactly. And then, okay, so I forget in the 80s that they were kind of a little more loose on what you could say during kids' movies. But when the mm-hmm. Red Queen says that one of the White's Queen's brats are too young to play, I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was just kind of, I, I even that moment caught me off guard too. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of her brats is too little. I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. all right, all right. I was like, you tell them, Red Queen. Nice. That's right. <laughs> and then the Red Queen just straight up dragging Alice is iconic. I thought that was hilarious. It is hilarious because Alice is like floating behind her feet up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> She's being dragged along. Yeah. Oh. And funny. then in this one, Alice, or sorry, the Red Queen explained absolutely no rules of chess. And then yep. she's like, okay, good luck. Bye. Right. She's just like, okay, I'm going to put these pegs in the ground. And when I get to the fifth one away from you, I'm leaving. See ya. Yeah. When you get to the A square, you're queen. Done. Poof. Yeah. Gone. She didn't even explain about the train, that the train was there for Alice to take. It yeah. just like ends up coming and appearing and Alice gets on it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is that in the book, she just kind of ends up on the train. She didn't yeah. walk onto the train. So they took out a lot of this scene cut situation that they had in the book, which is fine because it would have just looked like tacky editing. Right. And again, they're kind of taking like something that Lewis Carroll wrote that you're like, mm-hmm. how, how does that work? And kind of explaining it a little bit and making yeah. it just make a little bit more sense. Yeah. But the fact that they had to use a toy train for the train was oh so my gosh. cute. Wasn't that hilarious? Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I, again, it's one of those, you know, details you don't pick up as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I was watching it and I was like, oh, it's a toy train. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I know. I was like, oh, like they could have tried to pick a toy train that was realistic looking, but I'm not yeah. mad that they didn't, you know, I think yeah. it worked. Me too. It was, it was perfect. I loved it. And that everyone in the train car sitting there roasting Alice is probably one of my, oh my favorite gosh. things. It's so funny. Um, okay. Ready? Here mm-hmm. we go. Here's my favorite thing about this train scene. And again, this is another actor reference because I have to. Please tell me that you have seen the original, like the real, the Karate Kid movies. (gasps) I've probably seen snippets of it. I did not watch a lot of TV as a kid. I was very much a book nerd. 
But listen, these are like I, classic. You need to watch the. Crime. I know. Okay. I haven't even. Seen, okay, if it makes you feel better, I haven't seen the Phantom of the Opera either, or read the book. So if you're under, like, keep in mind where my base level is. I have a whole podcast about not reading things. This now. is true. I, I'm not going to fault you for not reading the Phantom of the Opera book because I mean, yeah. ugh, how many people have actually read that book? <laughs> but. Um, and you're talking to someone who has seen the Broadway musical like four times and seen the sequel to the Broadway musical, the second one that Andrew Lloyd Webber did recently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, okay, so my point in this is the horse mm-hmm. is played by Pat, and I never know how to say his last name, Morisha, Morita, who plays Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid movies. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, yes. And it's fantastic. I just love him. Like, that's my favorite part. I've only seen like, some parts of the remake of Karate Kid as well. Uh, ugh, don't. That's just not even right. Just don't. Mm-mm. This is like the same situation where I've only seen the most recent Fast and Furious after Paul Walker died. I've only seen that one. And then I went back and saw Tokyo Drift and none of the other ones. Yeah, I've seen like half of one of those movies. There's so many I can't even keep track. The only movies I've watched consistently over and over and over again is I went through a Star Wars, Pirates of the Caribbean and Lord of the Rings phase where I would watch them every weekend and like I'd interchange them. So those are the movies that I've watched the most. Those are good options. So that's good. Good choices. But anyways, um, you do need to watch the original Karate Kids and then you'll see Mr. Miyagi plays the horse. But I do, I agree with you. This um, this scene on the train is really fun. Mm -hmm. It's just it's funny because okay first of all i mean the guy in the paper suit he's just Mm -hmm. his costume is perfect like i can't i mean it doesn't get any more perfect like his hat even is like one of those like hats you make out of newspaper and would stick Mm -hmm. on your head it's so perfect so cute and just the the, i mean and the horse and and the goat like the eat oh my gosh it's just perfect i love Mm -hmm. this scene it's so fun no i love it it's really cute Mm mm-hmm and then when they use the goat's beard as the emergency break, I was like, what? <laughs> that was the best thing ever. My kids were um, were in there with me and I was like, mm-hmm. watch, watch, watch what she's going to do. And they're like, what? I said, watch. And then she pulls on his, <laughs> on his beard and stops the train. <laughs> it was hilarious. That actor too, okay, for anybody listening who... Um, again, watch TV shows in the 90s. Uh, That is Patrick Duffy. And in the 90s, he was on a show that was on Friday nights on TJF on Fridays. Step by Step, it was called. Anyway, I used to watch that show religiously. And he was the dad on that show. So there you go. Anyway. (laughs) Then after she pulls the goat's beard, uh, Alice (laughs) runs off the train and the gnat's outside of the train and wasn't on it, which is fine because it can't be microscopic, really. They, right, not in the like 80s. A voiceover, I guess, but... Yeah, in the 80s, though, it's a little simpler. They wouldn't have done it, so I was yeah. fine with that. And I was like, ah, whatever. The gnat wasn't that big of a thing. I will have to say, though, he is a little creepy looking. Oh, he's so creepy looking. I mean, of all the... The animals. He's the creepiest. Well, he's a bug, not an animal. But mm-hmm. of all of them, he's the kind of the creepiest looking one to me. Absolutely. So then we get to Tweedledee and Tweedledum. 
and they have a singing number and mm-hmm. now they're one's a man one's a woman and they're I guess they're fraternal is that the right yeah that's the right yes word. fraternal which I was like okay I was fine with that because yeah. it's gonna be really hard to to cast two people who look unless you're casting mm-hmm. exactly identical twins which I'm sure wasn't super easy. I like yeah. that it was, I like that they were fraternal twins. I thought it was fun. I think it made the singing numbers balance out a little bit better too. So, yeah, I was thinking that too, actually, as I was listening to them and hearing them harmonize and sing mm-hmm. their different parts, it, it sounded really good. So then we get the oysters, <laughs> the carpenter, oh. the walrus, and the oysters. Big oysters, big oysters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With like some sort of rocket leg singing number situation. Oh that was so weird. Yes. And the walrus, he freaks me out. Like I can't mm-hmm. look at his face because they made his face look so realistic with the walrus. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what are they called? Tusks. Thank you. Yes. Tusks. And like the bulges where they were. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's crazy. Like it's freaky looking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you really are a walrus. I, yeah, I was like, I don't you. like it. I can't. I'm telling you, that part always creeped me out. Yeah. And then like how they all go off scene and they come back and the oysters don't come back. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. Yeah. I did, I will have to say though, I did like how they handled it in this movie because Tweedledum and Tweedledee take they start singing and they take Alice like they're going for a walk through the woods and then mm-hmm. they go through this big cave and end up on the beach mm-hmm. and then it's like the scene and the walrus and the carpenter the oysters are there and it's like all playing out in front of them on the beach I liked I liked how they did that yeah I think it makes it more interesting and easier to follow too especially because yeah. this is like catered to kids it's hard to follow a singing number yes it would so, have been really confusing otherwise yeah, yeah. Because the poem itself is kind of confusing. So, yes, it is. So, next, I look down for literally a second while this was playing, and I look up, and now they're at the White Queen, and she has the shawl in her hand. And I was like, oh, okay. Scene transition. And I love her. Again, Carol Channing was just so perfect for this role, and she was so like frazzled and everywhere. And oh, it it was fantastic. The funny thing to me, though, is Dinah doesn't have kittens. And the movie so her no. being disheveled when she's supposed to be the white cat doesn't make sense yeah but that's one of those like small it's little small details one, so you it's... just kind of forgive you know yeah it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. whatever <laughs> i the one thing i will stand on is bill should have been in the jury but you know what I'll i allow know it. i know <laughs> so uh the pricking the finger on the brooch is my favorite thing that happens because it's super well done but yes. the shift into the sheep is horror terrifying oh, it's freaky yeah. and scary when she turns into because it's just weird how she mm-hmm. just says that one word like over and mm-hmm. over now carol channing has the voice to do that her voice mm-hmm. is this like raspy kind yeah. of weird funky voice so her it's her she actually has a perfect voice to do this to Mm -hmm. be the one who turns into a sheep but it's just weird it's just a weird moment yeah the weird thing is to me that they cut out the entire scene with the sheep there's no sheep shop there's no boating adventure so there's really no reason except to get alice to go to the next scene right and i mean you gotta do what you gotta do yeah i wasn't sad that they cut out the store with the sheep uh, the scene with the sheep store 
No, because I think it would have made little kids cry when she plucked the flowers after we know they're alive now. That would have been. And again, it's one of those scenes that you're kind of like, it didn't really further the plot line very much. So we'll just skip it. Oh, and then the crow comes out of nowhere way after they've left Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Because that's the crow that's supposed to break up their fight. Right. So I'm like, why is the crow here? (laughs) They had to put it somewhere. I guess. But I was like... Put it back where Tweedledee and Tweedledum was or don't use it at all. Like now it's just uh, Alice gets scared while walking through the forest crow. Yeah. (laughs) So next we get on to Humpty Dumpty. Very egg-like. Yes. But my favorite thing is it's not that narrow of a ledge. He's just sitting on the edge of it. But Uh I I just think it's kind of funny when she's like, you're sitting on such a narrow ledge. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, it's really not that bad. But what was great, though, was that he was standing on it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't sitting. So that make I feel like that was a good choice because it makes it look more precarious. Like he yeah. could more easily fall off of it. For um, sure. And again, big name actor. Like that was Jonathan Winters who did so much stuff. What's funny is he actually played Tweedledum and Tweedledee in an animated version of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really? Uh-huh. In the Disney one? Um that's 1987 so just oh. two years after this one so i don't i don't know what year the yeah, disney I don't one know. came out it just says alice in wonderland i think alice in wonderland came out in the early or sorry like sorry the- this is a different one this is alice through the looking glass tv movie tweedledum oh. and tweedledee voice hmm. but he did um he did a, um, a ton of stuff too he was on he was on mork and mindy with robin williams when Robin Williams was first getting started. Love Robin um, Williams. Oh my gosh. Me too. Him he in Birdcage. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. He did, um, this guy did, he was Papa Smurf in the Smurfs. What? And like the original animated series, which I loved growing up, but whatever. He was Papa Smurf. <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he tap dances on the ledge stressful right so stressful there's so much tap great. dancing in this it was great i loved it, it so awesome. alice's fear somehow brings the jabberwocky back and the jabberwocky yes. just straight shoves humpty dumpty off this wall which is hilarious so funny it was so funny yeah but i feel like it's a good way to get him off the wall yeah because i mean the other reason other way he just kind of fades it fades to black and he falls you know yeah this was much better jabberwocky mm-hmm. shoving him off which okay i'm gonna say something here. let's the jabberwocky this is okay i mean watching it now as a 40 year old woman even still appreciating that this was made in the mid 80s mm-hmm. i'm like wow that thing is not at all scary looking no nope. but but as a five-year-old child watching this movie I, like my I, I distinctly remember my sister and me being at my cousin's house and the three of us watching this movie on tv and mm-hmm. being scared of that darn jabberwocky because yeah. when you're five years old and it's the middle of the 80s that's scary mm-hmm. but i look at it now and i'm like oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah i know well it's like it's weird <laughs> how quickly cgi and how 
making things look even more and more realistic quickly shifted our level of horror and mm-hmm. um, comfortability as children. Cause like for yeah. me, even if I was, when, if I was five years old watching that, I don't think it would have scared me because of my level of CGI, you know? Right. But see, I didn't, I was five years old when this came out. So for yeah. me, this was, this was what things were like. Yeah. And think about it too, the difference between, cause the Jabberwocky is in the first Tim Burton movie. And if you think about mm-hmm. like what that Jabberwocky looks like, even compared to this, it's so different. I can't wait to revisit that because it's honestly been, I haven't seen it since it came out. So I don't really remember it that well. So I can't wait to go through that. I hope I can do that next week. Yeah. You need to just like take a weekend or something Mm -hmm. a day and just sit down and watch all of these Alice in Wonderland movies at one shot comparable. So then Alice hides. Okay. Well, before she even hides, I just noted, I was like, this kid screams a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder the Jabberwocky's tracking you. Like you scream yeah. once when you see it, then you run in silence. I I mean, I wonder how much they were like, scream now, Alice. You know, like director, yeah. scream when you get here, scream when you hear. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it felt very much like that because yeah. the scream is like weird intermittent screaming. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, kid, like, did the director tell you to do this or like is this method acting? Maybe, maybe she was having difficulty. Maybe they couldn't get her to scream when they wanted her to. Mm-hmm. So they just took what they got. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. I was just like, oh, run in silence, kid. <laughs> so Alice hides from the Jabberwocky. And then she runs into the White King after the Jabberwocky passes. Yes. It, that foot of the Jabberwocky reminded me of Jurassic Park, the eyeball scene. Yes. Like same level of fear. That, okay, that scene in Jurassic Park scared the living daylights out of me as a kid. So mm-hmm. that was my standard of CGI. And I look at that now and I'm like, that's kind of terrible. But like yeah. at, at the time when I was a child, that dinosaur eyeball haunted my nightmares. Seriously. That's an awesome movie though. Such a good movie. Mm-hmm. so now we're on our way we got the king the white king the uh messenger john stamos and <laughs> we're on our way to the lion and the unicorn and i was like this should be fun best best um i mean it's not really you can't call it a cameo but that mm-hmm. casting was awesome you look and you're like higher than messengers john stamos that's perfect. <laughs> I know, but it's it's kind of funny because my John Stamos is always going to be fuller a full house, right? Uncle yeah. Jesse, yeah. And yeah. I like I logically know I'm pretty sure he's been in other things, but I, if you ask me, oh, John Stamos, yeah. my brain goes full house. Well, and that's where most people's brains go, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, but still, it's fun to see him in this movie. Yeah. So we get up to the lion and the unicorn, and I knew this was not going to be pretty. But the unicorn is honestly horror worthy. He is terrifying. <laughs> he is a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, he's so creepy. Like they put him in like this full fur suit situation. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's hard to get a horse. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But like a horse and two uh, legs freaks me out. Yes. But so the funny thing is, is the horse 
on the train Mm -hmm. is not creepy. No. You know what I think it is? Because I'm looking at this picture right now. I Mm -hmm. think it's also because of what he's wearing. Yeah. Like he's wearing that. It looks like a jester's costume kind of, you know, because it's got the, the diamonds in that pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it's called. I don't know. And then the big thing around his neck. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's part of it is why he looks creepy. Like I think really, really the thing around his neck, like I think if that wasn't there, it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. Cause he's creepy. He's a Mm -hmm. terror to behold. Yep. Um, Bo Bridges, by the way, (laughs) Bo Bridges, there's a lot of them bridges. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's one of them and like there's a whole family of actors there all really good and Ernest Borgnine is the lion and mm-hmm. Ernest Borgnine is Mr. I've been around forever and done like all kinds of crazy stuff so anyway so we get that scene and then we move on to uh her cutting the cake <laughs> they did a good job with this but my favorite thing is the lady saying yeah if you drop this a lion's gonna eat you yeah <laughs> it's like what and alice is like oh, okay yeah. okay don't because it looked heavy too yeah i mean that cake was like it was huge and mm-hmm. chunky and you could see like the weight of it on that plate it looked mm-hmm. really heavy it did not look like and like styrofoam no cake, you know no. like it was like a heavy did you like how <laughs> the cake just like splits in half Mm -hmm. and so each of them has like a half of the cake and I was like hey they're not going small pieces here no no one else gets any just the lion and the unicorn and then the unicorn's like oh he got more than I did and I was like you guys got half a cake Mm -hmm. yeah but they did I did like how they did that it was done very well Mm -hmm. with it popping oh her cutting it and then it sucking back together yeah so then the drumming happens and she runs away in fear um no one else can hear it besides her though which is kind of an interesting touch yeah and then the two knights start to joust but like not well (laughs) which is fine because you know they're both like clumsy and stuff anyway remember like in the book so i i feel like that was i was okay with that yeah i was just like it looks like they're trying to sword fight with jousting, like, I guess javelins is what they're called. I was like, okay. Yes. But the knight who was weird was not as um, clumsy as he was in the book, which was fine, but. Right. He does fall off the horse. Yeah. And he does, he does have the, his inventions on the side of his horse. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Um, I will say this was always one of my favorite scenes growing up when with the white knight and Alice and when mm-hmm. he sings to her and they're walking through the forest and it's like misty and so, like that was always just I loved the white knight mm-hmm. he was just like it's like what every little girl dreams of literal like knight in shining armor coming to rescue you and he was singing to her mm-hmm. and it was just like that was always one of my favorite moments in the movie and even watching it again this time I was like it's so sweet I just love it <laughs> yeah that was very cute and then so next alice goes over the little brook and now she's got the cute little crown i was like oh yes i love her crown 
So then the two queens show up. And I will say, I think the red queen is more vicious in this than I thought she was in the book. Yes, she was. I mean, it's because you can see her. You've got this physical mm -hmm. representation of her now. So she does seem a little bit like nastier. Yeah, but I thought it made it kind of funny. Yeah. And then they sing a math song and the math song stressed me out. <laughs> I was like, uh, who wants to sing about math? Yeah, no. they're like, what's one plus one plus one plus one plus one? She's trying to count them on her fingers. And I was like, stop, stop. Yeah. And then they have the entrance to Alice's party because they're celebrating that she's a queen. And honestly, the entrance in this was a lot nicer than the entrance in the book, you know, because she yeah. gets like cut out. Yeah. This was a lot nicer. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was funny in the book. Like, it didn't make sense in the book, I mean. And so, Right. I was okay with this change. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But then, you know, they come into the table and no one's there except Alice at first. And then everyone starts showing up. But the weird thing is, is it's everyone from Through the Looking Glass and um, Wonderland. Yeah. So they just Both combined it all. Yeah. Here. Which is fine. I mean, it makes, because I guess if you think about it, she's still technically in wonderland mm -hmm. and and she never went home in between yeah in this one mm -hmm. she it's just a continuation she thinks she's home but then she ends up being in on the other side in the looking glass so she's not home so it kind of makes sense yeah it makes sense in this plot so i wasn't mad about yeah. it i was just like oh weird to see everyone together yeah and then the queen of hearts is also there um and at this party, she's asked to give a speech and she says she just wants to go home. And I was like, ah, oh, poor child. Yeah. So then the Jabberwocky shows up. <laughs> and I was like, you're not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. Just when you think everything yeah. is fine. Oh, look, Alice, a present came for you. Yeah. And she opens the present. It's the Jabberwocky. <laughs> and the Jabberwocky just like, it destroys everything kills the white knight mm -hmm. you know and um she is finally able to crawl through the mirror to get back home and i was like oh thank goodness you know but then the yeah. jarawaki tries to crawl through the mirror and she's like i don't believe in you i'm not afraid of you you know whatever yeah and she finally faces her fears mm-hmm you know, there we get our nice morals. Um, yep. Yep. And nice. she wakes up sleeping in a chair. So it's weird because she wakes up in a chair. But my issue is when she mm -hmm. fell asleep the first time, she was outside. So right. how did she get moved to this chair? Exactly. I agree. How does that happen? Yeah. Did she, unless, okay, here we go. Okay, so she was outside with her sister. Mm -hmm. Maybe her sister wanted to come inside and she picked, she didn't want to wake up Alice. So maybe she just mm -hmm. picked her up and carried her inside and put her in the chair. Yeah, that's possible. But it was just like one of those things where because those are two different stories. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. You woke up in a different location. But I will say as a kid, when your parents would take you in and you fell asleep in the car and then you wake up in your bed and you're like, oh, I've teleported. I didn't know I could do that in my sleep. Like I get it. It happens. Yeah. But it was How just kind I of a weird moment. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. 
And then her mother saying that she's finally grown up enough to come to tea. I thought it was so sweet. But at the same time, I'm like, no, she's not. She's seven and a half. Like, is this a <laughs> formal sit down tea? Because. Yes. Well, but it's only with her parents. Yeah. That's is true. what it seems like. Or maybe her sister. So mm-hmm. it's not like there's other guests there. It's yeah. just family tea time. Yeah, so, so it I guess makes it sense. doesn't really matter. Yeah. So then she looks at the mirror, uh, the mirror again, and everyone from Wonderland is singing at her. Yeah, that's how it ends. I like that song. That actually, that song is like the one I remember. It always gets. Mm-hmm. That's the one that would always get stuck in my head that I remember. Really? Yes. That's kind of cool. I know. I will say I liked it. I did. Yeah, I. I'm telling you, these were more than. Um, the Disney version or any other version that I've seen, these were always my favorite. And I always, I just have such fond memories of watching it again with my sister and my cousin. I can yeah. like, I can totally envision the whole thing, watching it at my cousin's house. Um, but these, these ones were always been my favorite versions mm-hmm. of Alice in Wonderland. Um, mm-hmm. Random actor fact again. So the guy who plays the white knight, mm-hmm. Lloyd Bridges is the father of the man who plays the unicorn, Bo Bridges. That's adorable. Well, mm-hmm. he had his, uh, the director had his wife as the mother and the, uh, Alice's mother. Yeah. I realized I was like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. I like when people do that where they have families and then we're together. I think it's cute. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But that's all we've got. That's the wrap up of <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. A very Yay. fun, very strange book. Mm-hmm. But it was very yes, good. Was. But some great movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if you want more Alice in Wonderland, we will, if it's not already posted, be doing Heartless um, by yeah. Marissa Meyer for Patreon. So please be sure to subscribe to Patreon. There will be more details about that in the end notes. And yeah, we will catch you all in the next episode. Leah, where can all the people of the internet find you? Um, everyone can find my podcast, YA Book Chat, um, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. It's available on all the podcast streaming services. And you can follow me on Instagram at YA Book Chat. Perfect. And we will catch you all in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. If you didn't hear it in the intro or you need a little reminder, next week we're going to be talking about the Iliad. Also, if you haven't joined us over on Patreon, uh, some very fun things we are going to start doing early releases for every member of the Patreon. So instead of getting the episode on Wednesday, the episodes will come out on Monday, which is going to be great and a whole lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to it, please do so. And if you haven't joined the Patreon, you know, please become a Patreon member. Uh, That's all going to be starting with our next book, The Iliad. So if you want to join the Patreon for just $5 a month, you'll get exclusive um, early access to uh, our episodes. And also, you know, if you join the $10 a month tier, you get those extra bonus episodes. So please consider joining and it would be very much appreciative. But if you're trying to figure out a way to help support the podcast that's not through Patreon, 
please consider leaving us a review and writing a review on Apple Books, uh, Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot and I would really appreciate it. Or share us with a friend. Either way is great. But please consider helping out the pod and all that fun stuff. But I will catch you guys in the next episode. Our logo was designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song is by Raphael Crux on freepd.com. And that's all I've got for you guys on this week. I'll catch you all later. Bye!